If you want to support our podcast financially, please visit patreon.com slash IIMBSB. Also, email us with questions or ideas at ifimaypodcast at gmail.com. All right, today we talked to our friend Sarah Natsumi Moore. She tells us about Tantra retreats, which have been um, really helpful for her. We talk a bit about the Enneagram and her marriage and other relationship wisdom. Welcome to If I May Be So Bold, a podcast about relationships. I'm Dan Epstein, recording artist, Enneagram 4, and ADHD DJ. I'm Justin Waring Crane, model, actress, singer, dancer, mathematician. What's the thing in Enneagram, though, whereas fours, we're supposed to go towards ones, right? Yes. Oh. Which is like... Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm in this group in Austin. It's the Austin Enneagram Club that meets once a week, and we just did ones. And Is I'm, that the people from the podcast? Yes. Yes. Oh, and I've, I've gotten very deep into the Enneagram in the last couple of years, and I am, I can really see my health, like mental health, physical health, everything improve when I'm living by like the one way, which is like routine and structure in mm. my life. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I struggle with that so much. For, for people who don't know what we're talking about, with the Enneagram, Sarah and myself are both fours. Um, and the way Enneagram works is like in order to move towards like a healthy, like, what is it? Like high, what is the term for like the There's optimized? Like, you're, everyone is a number and in health, you go to a certain number and in stress, you go to another number. Got it. So health versus stress is like the paradigm. So yeah, for fours, we are meant to go towards a healthy one, which four is like the individualist, right? So like tends to be a lot of artists. We're like really big on having like an authentic self, uh, being seen. We have this great fear that we actually have no like authentic self. Um, and we want to move towards a one, which what is the ones like fear and like, I don't one know, how would you describe kind of one? wants to be like, uh, I feel like I'm not thinking of the right word, but pure. Like in a way, it's like wanting to be the best version of themselves and like having like a fair, pure world and wanting to embody that in themselves. But it can come out and being like justice oriented or just being like obsessive about like their own personal like nutrition or something or um it can be any it can come out in like lots of different ways mm-hmm. um but ones tend to like thrive on kind of like order and structure yeah. and like kind of following the laws but they could sometimes be making it up themselves. And like in unhealth, they can like project that onto others. Right. And then the four, because we're, one of the four things is like we're very into our feelings and we're very in touch with our feelings and our feelings are ever evolving. And 
ones are kind of like, who cares how I feel? I'm still going to like get up and meditate because I said I would. And that's Mm. why I think fours are like, I'm an artist. I do what I want. And I feel this way right now. And that can be, that can like produce beautiful things sometimes, but then it can also be kind of like a chaotic and sometimes reckless lifestyle. And so if you move in health towards one, then you're kind of learning how to not be controlled and dictated by your Mm. feelings all the time. Gosh, I'm so scared of that. Of the structure piece? Well, I just feel like really like I have, okay, I guess I feel like in my life, I have felt like I had to be different, you know, based on other people's ways of doing things. So I think I get stuck in that because I'm like, want to give myself permission to just do what feels good to me. But then what you're saying is like, that actually there's this path for people who are fours to just be like, okay, the feelings are going to be there no matter what. Just like, just move, just do the thing, just like move through it. And like, ultimately it leads you to like a, what a more like um, fulfilled existence? Well, I guess this can be like gross for any personalities, but it's kind of like if you don't feel like exercising mm-hmm. or you don't feel like practicing, like if you're studying to like, I'm learning how to play the violin and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like it. But it kind of takes that discipline, the one discipline of just doing a little bit every day to grow Mm. in that, you know? And so I think it's like a delicate balance Yeah, because you don't want to be like too hardcore or Mm -hmm. I don't want to be. So Mm -hmm. I I just kind of try to like dance in that. Mm. Cool. Mm. And then Justin's a nine. What is she supposed to go towards? Which number? I think a three three in health. Oh. oh, yeah. Because three is the achiever. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Yeah. In a way, because I, I don't that. know if you guys know about stances, but fours, nines, and fives are in the withdraw stance. And so in a way, when we're like feeling depressive, we move away towards, uh, move away from life. So yeah. nines do it in... Fours just kind of get depressed and melancholy and go into like a shame state or that's my way Mm, of doing mm -hmm. it. And then um, nines kind of go into like, I don't know, like creature comforts or like inaction, like avoiding, just like uh, not like maybe be doing a lot of stuff, but like procrastinating on what they're supposed to be doing. And so when a nine goes to growth of three, it's similar to a one where threes are so success and achievement oriented. They focus on the job that needs to get done and go for it. Whereas Mm -hmm. nines do the withdrawing thing and fours also do the withdrawing thing. And Mm -hmm. so maybe that's why our health are those numbers that are just like action oriented. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to move towards things that I want this year rather than just kind of like moving away from the things that I don't want. Um, and it feels cool. Like I'm definitely scared of, I guess, trying and failing, but I kind of also feel sick of just like giving up, you know, 
What what is your I'm always curious about nines, like what is the fear or what makes you not want to move towards what you want usually? Uh I think it's like fear that it's gonna be like just too chaotic and scary and like it's gonna take I'm like not gonna be at peace. Even though actually I think like I'll be at at greater peace if I'm like moving towards the things that I want. And like, even Mm -hmm. if I'm failing, at least it's like in the direction of what I want, Mm -hmm. but it can just feel like too scary to even try. Cause I'm like, Oh, like maybe my life is going to change and I'm not going to feel peaceful Mm -hmm. inside. So it really is that feeling of like, this is going to disturb me. So I rather not to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have, Really fear around being disturbed. Yeah. I yeah. notice that. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. But yeah, it's a good way to put it. Um, so Sarah, we're so happy to have you. Um, Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I don't know how to introduce you even. I mean, you're like such so class in the classic ENFP sense. You are such a student of life from what yes. I know about you. Mm-hmm. You've done a lot of really interesting healing and spiritual experiencing um how how would you want like how would we say like our guest sarah is is there anything that comes to mind you can also like do this later you can also yeah. like send us a like sexy little bio oh, okay if you want. yeah <laughs> i mean i feel like most people in in the straight world, <laughs> in the normal world, the yeah. norm core world, see me as a photographer because that's mm-hmm. my like Instagram page and that's my career and my job. And so I think most people see me as that. And then when I'm high, like when I'm not shooting, I'm basically off on like study. Like I do like therapy trainings. I actually got into grad school, so I'm going to do a therapy, like a three-year master's in counseling. Wow. I don't even know what that's going to look like because I also really love photography. But I think when I picture myself like 10 years into the future, I don't really see myself as a commercial photographer. I see myself Mm -hmm. doing therapy. So... Yeah, I guess just a seeker of knowledge. And yeah, I think a student of life feels good. Mm. I go to a lot of different like therapy retreats and meditation retreats and plant medicine. Yeah, plant medicine. I like to just understand why we are the way we are, basically. So, you know, this podcast is nominally about relationships. And like, obviously, like, you know, I think the listeners are probably getting a sense that you are like, you know, this wise person with a lot of, you know, cool, like interests and uh, experiences. But like, what kind of person we usually ask people about their first kiss. And we talked about asking you about like, early romantic feelings or experiences. But like, I'm just curious, like, what was your vibe like as a teenager? Like, were you kind of like have a similar like sort of outward facing deep feeler person or like, or did you try on any kind of like images or like ways of appearing? Um, 
Well, so I grew up in the Air Force, and so I moved around every two to three years my whole life, up until I was 18. And I, so I went to, I think it was 12 different schools, if you include like kindergarten and then elementary and then switching elementary and then switching elementary again, like that. Mm. So almost... I don't think I ever stayed at one school for longer than two years. And so I kind of grew up, I think I learned a lot of like social skills by observing. Like it's almost like, and but it was like a survival instinct. So I would move to one Also, I'm biracial, I'm half Japanese, half white, and I moved back and forth from Asia and America. And I would, you know, based on where I was moving to, people treated me a certain way. So if I was living in Japan, but I would go to like an international kind of like military school, but there's a lot of like mixed race Asian kids like me there was like much more easy for me to be adaptable. And then I would live like outside of Tokyo and then be shipped off to Clovis, New Mexico, which is like Mm. cow town, super conservative Mm. population, 40,000. And I would get made fun of for my race or like for whatever. And Mm. so what Mm. happened is I learned how to adapt quickly to any culture. And I would, it's like I knew like high school, middle school hierarchical systems. It's like, okay, like I want to play an instrument and I want to be a theater kid. But like in this school, if I make that my identity, it's just, you're going to like be bullied and be a loser. So you got to like at least try out for the basketball team and be a bench warmer just to like get in with them. It was like Mm. so strategic, but Mm. I wasn't even conscious I was being strategic, but it was like such a survival Mm. skill that I learned how to wait, how to like worm my way up to like the top of any social ladder Mm. so that I would stay safe basically. Mm. Wow. That's so smart. I relate to that so much. Really? I did that I did that too. I mean, I didn't move around, but like I I don't know. And I've attributed it to having had really low self-esteem in like adolescence. But for me, like my survival brain was like, these people have power and like they're like they're on solid ground. And like mm-hmm. I want to be on solid ground, like mm-hmm. so badly. Mm-hmm. And I kind of lament it because I'm like as of like Enneagram 4, I'm like, I didn't like develop like a certain like, you know, fuck it, this is who I am attitude mm-hmm. or something. But that was just like, I was really compelled in that exact sort of same mindset and direction. I wonder if it's our combo of uh, being both ENFP and Enneagram 4. Because I think mm. the ENFP in me is like, everybody has to love me and I have to love everyone. Mm. And then... Mm. But there was the four in me that always wanted to be like, it's like I would try to get in with the cool kids, but be the freak of the cool kids. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but I still like could. Yeah, but you were legit. Right. I would still like get invited to like the cool parties and stuff like that. Right. That was the way I needed to be. You know? A rebel within like the popular. The structure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then so were you attracted to like boys or girls or uh, in that group? Like. Oh, that's interesting. Who was I attracted to? Um, I don't know if it was necessarily I would be attracted to like my my taste was always like surprising, but even to me, it would be <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like had to be in any group, any race. It was just like mm-hmm. like the goth drummer kid I'm obsessed with, like Mm -hmm. very extremely so for like six months. And then, you know, the middle school dropout who just works on cars that I pass by (laughs) (laughs) like that. (laughs) But I would also like go for the homecoming king too, you know? (laughs) So, I mean, I had a lot of crushes. Was there any sort of like common thread that you can look back on now with those crushes that you were maybe what you were attracted to in them? I don't know. I don't think so. They were so different. A lot of Mm -hmm. these people it's, I think my attraction and it's still the same is like, it sort of sneaks up on me. Mm -hmm. So like, I'll just be next to someone at an, you know, my coworker, and then like three months in, I'm like, oh, am I in love with you? You know, it's like that feeling, <laughs> which is why online dating has been really hard for me. Cause I want to like, I want it to like, yeah. I think when it's like front facing, like, do you like me? I like you. I freak out. And then I just mm. run away. Yeah. Ah. Can you say more about that? <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel I just when I think of the patterns of like how I'm ended up in all the relationships I've ended up in in the past, it's like we were in grad school together and studying for months and then I developed a crush and then we started dating or like just in the same friend circle and saw each other over and over again and with online dating and maybe I just haven't done enough of it or like met the right person or whatever, but it's almost like to have to decide right away. Like, right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just feels too scary or like I'm making judgments really fast and I tend to Mm -hmm. shut down and yeah, I was telling you guys how I go to this Tantra retreat and that's only 11 days long, but it's 11 days of your, you're like partnering up with different people and getting to know them and staying in the same building. And that has been really helpful to me because it allows me to like not shut down and open up to lots of different people. So. Yeah. So it helps you to be around somebody and like, feeling their energy, but, and then kind of like you can come to the crush or the attraction like on your own time mm-hmm. and it's just sort of more organically rather than like, right. or like, mm-hmm. are you interested in dating? Am I interested in dating? And like mm-hmm. kind of 
out of the gates with that mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. direct energy. And I also tend to have a pattern. If we want to get into all the personality types, I'm also a Scorpio. <laughs> Yeah, let's I also have a all. pattern of like crushing from afar and then it's like going in for the kill. And it's like this like, it's like slow but steady process that is like, it's so unrelenting. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, if I have to wait three years, I will. And it's just like, I feel like a spider with a web just like. Yeah. Um, I like that energy that's like, I can wait however long it takes, but I know I'm going to go in for the I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And it's like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think it can also be unhealthy too. It's like, well, you can also let it go. Yeah. So, so you, can I bring up the fact that you were married? Yes. I just want to sure. Yeah. So you were married for, and you were with that person for how long? Since 2016 till our divorce finalized last year in 2022. Mm-hmm. But we were like separated for two years of that. So like together for four right. and then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... So, okay. So you, yeah. So like by the time you were single, it had been a few years, been like several years um, of being in one relationship and you guys, you guys were monogamous, right? Yeah. So I'm always interested in that. Like just the experience of becoming single after a while and like being kind of of a different age than when you were last single. Um, Oh yeah. That's interesting because I feel like he and I started dating I like I think I I met him right when I turned 30 and I'm now 38 and um was that 30 yeah something like that 30 31 I think I got married at 31 and I'm like how did everything fly by so fast but I remember feeling when I met him and got married I on paper, I felt so on the right track. It's like, mm-hmm. met the guy at 30. We're getting married at 31. We'll be married for a couple of years. Then we'll do the kid thing. And like at 34, I was like looking to buy a house. And I felt so like as a four, it's weird because it's like in a way I want to like banish uh, what normal society does. And I also want it at the same time. So I almost mm. felt like, I always feel like a freak, like I'm never doing anything on time or I'm never doing anything the right way. And so for once I was like, I'm doing it. Like I'm buying the house. I'm at the wedding. <laughs> it's all working out. <laughs> I'm getting married. <laughs> We're going to have a baby. And it just felt like I'm ticking off all the boxes of the American dream and it's happening for me. And then mm-hmm. um, we literally started trying for a 
just a couple of months. And then I had this sudden realization uh, at an ayahuasca retreat. It wasn't sudden. It was like subconscious coming up to consciousness of like yeah. all the ways the relationship wasn't working and all the ways that I needed to work on myself and wasn't ready to become a parent yet and definitely not mm. this relationship. And so that was this whole journey. And that was like two months before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened. And then yeah, we tried and it didn't. And then we decided to separate. And, and then yeah. it's like, I blink and I'm 38 now. And it's like shocking to me. And I feel like... Yeah. Now I feel like an outcast, you know, just like mm. I was all my friends now have like gone on to the first kid, bought their houses here in Austin anyway, um, and on to their second kid. And they're like doing the thing. Mm. And I feel like so off my timeline. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when I first got out of that relationship, because, you know, for a lot a lot of it I felt secure and felt like I found someone and felt settled in it that when it unraveled, it's almost like I couldn't stand the feeling of being untethered to anything that I was just like trying to find anyone and Mm -hmm. pair up with them. Like, are you my next husband? Are you my next husband? (laughs) Let's be Mm -hmm. together. Because I didn't want (laughs) to really feel the feeling Mm -hmm. of loss. Mm -hmm. And that was not working because I... I feel like I was like out the gate coming off so thirsty to Mm -hmm. (laughs) they could smell it. I'm like, hello. And um, so that wasn't working at all. I was like repelling men. And then somehow the pendulum has swung to the other side now where I feel like I was joking around. I feel like I go on hinge dates and I'm like a one of those secretaries who hate their jobs and they're just like filing their nails. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. where are you from? <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> All right. I'll let you know if you'll get a second date. Like that's my vibe now. And I'm like, neither one Thank of you. these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Neither okay, one thanks. of these things feel good. It feels mm. like, you know, I guess whatever, like not secure yeah. attachment. Um but that's where I'm at right Oof, now. God. I want to go back. Go um, and we can edit this out if it's too much. But um, <laughs> I remember you saying about that time where you were trying to get pregnant, that then you later realized that you were like subconsciously maybe never having sex when you were fertile. And like <laughs> it's true. you only realized later. Yeah. Like I, your your body knew something. Yeah, it's I think because because I was I wasn't f- like fully I want to preface this by saying like the person I was with, I was very much in love with and it wasn't like, okay, here's a man, check, marriage check, but you know, the, but there was right. this other part of so there was like a true authentic relationship happening. And there was this other part of me that, I don't know, a socialized part of me that wanted so desperately to like go buy the book. And I think Mm -hmm. I was about to turn 35 at that point. And 
I just felt like I should have a baby now because mm-hmm. I this is the timeline. But if I were to like mm-hmm. trust my body, my body didn't want that. And so I was mm-hmm. doing all these like weird, you know, it didn't, it sounds like manipulative now, but it's like, I wasn't even conscious of it. It was just like somehow yeah. I was forgetting to have sex in the fertile window, except for maybe one time, you know, mm-hmm. whereas if yeah. I really wanted that, I would be going for it, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. It's really speaking yeah. to me the way you're articulating like this natural, well, and socialized, I guess, desire to feel like you're thriving, like to feel like your life is like, what's the word? Like, um, I guess abundant is one way to say it, but that's not really what I'm trying to say. But like, and how you grew like attached to like having that. Um, and I think I've gone through multiple periods in my life feeling that same thing. And I think it's, I don't know how to make sense of it really, but it's like, I mean, I'm thinking about like in movies, how like the the character you were identifying with is always looking at everybody else, like going about their lives like robots or whatever, like, okay, like we're doing it. Or I'm thinking about how on Instagram, when I see someone who I feel like is clearly trying to portray the like things are really going well for me, I like reject it so strongly. Um, I don't really have a point, but that's just, I'm, it's like, it's like, uh, it's nourishing to me to hear you kind of like articulate that like pendulum Mm -hmm. of being like, well, actually like life isn't going to work out just like in this idea. I wanted it to. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't work out that way. Yeah. But I think even like if I'm thinking about Justin and my relationship, like, you know, there is this honeymoon period early on where it's like things are flowing and it's like things are building and it's like you almost don't have to do any work mm-hmm. on some level for a while. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like we're in like we're in the like freak part of the relationship again or something <laughs> like where we're dealing with like our freak selves together Aww. and like it's harder, you know. It's what Christian Amana calls movie one versus movie two. <laughs> Movie once they're like, that's, oh, you're just, I would start talking about a relationship and this is our mutual therapist, by the way, all three of us have seen Christian Amana. (laughs) They're a married couple who are amazing and I do therapist trainings with. And whenever I talk about like some kind of relationship, they're like, oh, but that's just movie one. It's like, they don't even count that first part because it's just (laughs) all. Yeah. It's just all chemicals doing the work for you and it's amazing. And then they're like, but once you get into movie two, that's when the work starts. I love that it's these like, those names are so funny. (laughs) Movie one and movie two. I know. (laughs) They're like such normal (laughs) names. (laughs) But they're such a creative, like otherworldly couple, you know? Yeah. Well, the first time we saw Krish for our couples therapy session was probably like six months into our relationship, right? Um, Yeah. Justin was talking about how she had been conditioned to have these romantic ideals about what our connection should look like, like what a romantic connection. And and Chris just went like, oh yeah, romantic love, such an illusion. Yeah. And I just loved the way he just like... (laughs) Yeah. He was like, like, all so, that bullshit. Yeah, it's yeah. such crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of ways we could go. I really want to talk about Tantra. So I really know nothing about Tantra. I mean, 
I know that there can be like a, a sexuality component or like a erotic component, but that it's like much, much bigger than that. And it's like a, I understand it as like a spiritual practice or like an ancient, like, uh, sort of modality wisdom, or I don't even know, like lifestyle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I hate that word, but, um, what, what's it like? Like it's my first day at the Tantra retreat or like if someone's going on this, like 11 day retreat, kind of like the one you've gone on, what is that one like? And I know there's probably like different ones, but. Well, let me backtrack and say that I also, I've been to two, technically I've been to two Tantra trainings now, both, they're the same things. Um, Both 11 days last year, I went twice and I plan on going again. Um, And I still feel like I don't know what Tantra is at all. And um, I feel like, I also feel like there's a lot of different kind of schools of Tantra. And I just found this one place and it really resonated with me just watching their videos and stuff. And so I went down there to experience it. But the way they describe it is just opening up to life and learning how to Mm -hmm. get just, they say like just learning how to say yes to life and learning how to get out of thinking and into your heart. So in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, it's this beautiful it feels so trippy like when I look around the room I feel like everyone's tripping on molly and mushrooms by day nine you know it's just like (laughs) such a everyone's just so high and when I like Mm. FaceTime with my friends who are at Tantra there at that retreat like I had gone home and they stayed on to do like part two or part three I could just see their little like MDMA molly eyes just (laughs) they're like high (laughs) on life um but in a way it's it's a lot of deep meditative practices and real intimacy relating practices that helps you get out of your head and into your heart so you just Mm. slowly, 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 they're kind of like shedding all the masks and shields you have and learning Mm -hmm. how to let you break through all of that and come from Mm. down Mm. here instead of up in your head. Oh my God. I need that. I was just thinking as you were like, I want to learn about Tantra. I was like, why don't you guys just come with me to the next one? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're going. Yeah, let's go. End of discussion. (laughs) (laughs) So day one, they basically, it's almost like, what when they talk about like the frog boiling in water, I feel like they just mm-hmm. like put us into the pot and then like slowly, they literally mm-hmm. say like, we're going to turn the volume up now or like it feels mm-hmm. a little like sleepy in here. So we're throwing the flame up today. And then like, it's like they're like, yeah, forcing us deeper into intimacy or not. And they sort of gauge the um, level of the room. Like it's like every every group becomes its own intelligence and they just feel into it. So every retreat is very different, but it's just Mm. an introduction of like, um, so there's 
anywhere. They're doing it right now in Bali, and I heard there's 60 people. So there's 60 people in that group, and it's equal amount of men and women, which mm. you don't have to be straight to be in it, but it is like about the masculine feminine energy and you do pair up with the opposite sex. So, um, so they have you, if you are coupled up, you can, couples just do all the exercises together, but they're in the room doing the same exercises as the singles. And it could be, you know, it could be 25% of the group are couples that came together. And so they pair up together and then the rest are singles and you switch partners over and over and over as you do different exercises. And the exercises Mm. could be anything from just talking to each other um, or it could be like slow dancing or eye gazing. And then it kind of (gasps) gets like increasingly more intimate as the days (gasps) First, first base, second base. Yeah, it kind of right. goes first base, second movie base. Movie one, movie two, um, movie three. <laughs> and to be honest, it doesn't, it's weird. It's like, on the one hand, it doesn't get that crazy. Like, it's like really gentle. Like, mm-hmm. you're moving pretty slow, but it feels really, really deep. And mm. it's a lot of... um it's it it almost I almost want to call it like a meditation retreat because it's mm-hmm. so much breath work and meditating with each other cool. though. Sounds and you're nice. like, mm. it's awesome. Cause I used oh. to do Vipassana, which is a 10-day mm. silent meditation retreat. And I've gone to that for like seven years because I'm, I guess, a retreat junkie. And <laughs> that was very useful to me at the time, but I realized, and I got a lot of healing from it. So much like, just like, uh, wisdom just coming from within me. And that was amazing Mm. to see that like, Oh, I don't have to have, I don't need to like grab my phone and like look up this sort of anything. It's just like all within, but I also realized so much of healing happens in, community in relating Mm. with other people. And so now I'm kind of into these kind of really freaky group workshops where it just pulls Mm. all your triggers out, you know, and Uh, you learn how to hold space for the other. Oh my gosh. I love that. I don't, I feel like, yeah, I, I would be down to do a Vipassana retreat like once, but I'm much more drawn to this sort of group type mm-hmm. of thing like it's cool because yeah. it's also ex- uh, incredibly international um mm-hmm. they do workshops in they never do it in america unfortunately but they do workshops in asia all over asia all over europe and um their home retreat center that they built for tantra which is so beautiful is in brazil and um it's led by two people who used to be a couple, but now they're just friends and colleagues for 40 years. They're in their 60s. And he's German and she's Brazilian. They're like deep therapists. They're friends with Christian Amana. They're in like the same crew. And um, God, I wish I could infiltrate that crew. I know. (laughs) Um, Just be a groupie like me and fly around and follow them to all the retreats. But uh, this... 
uh, I'll just call them a couple because they are in many ways, but this couple that leads this group. Um, yeah, I've only done it in Brazil, but I'm curious to like, they say like different places bring their own cultural energies. Mm-hmm. And so Brazil, things move really fast because it's much more open. They're already like touchy-feely, not afraid of intimacy. And then in Asia, it can like move 10 times slower. They mm-hmm. could go to China and do it. And it's like there's so much conditioning around sex mm-hmm. and opening up and the opposite wow. sex, like dealing with the opposite sex and stuff like that. Yeah. So, mm. And then because they've been doing it all over, people, participants from all over the world fly to... Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything like, you know that's like crystallized for you about doing that work about like your next, you know, deep relationship, romantic relationship, like what you want or like how you, how you want to take care of it or anything like that? Yeah. It's so weird. I feel like I, with Tantra, I can't articulate anything that like I can describe the events, but I can't, Mm -hmm. I can feel myself changing so much mm-hmm. because of it, but I can't even mm-hmm. articulate what's happening or like, yeah. it's so, I don't know. It, it, I feel like I want to be more forgiving and like more, mm. less rigid, I guess. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm like, I went to Tantra now I want to be polyamorous and like, you yeah. know, it does. I don't feel that way at all. I feel like yeah. I just want to be more patient and um, more loving in general. It feels like it, yeah. like a lot of the, what I'm getting from it isn't even directly real. It might, cause I haven't been in a relationship since going to these retreats, but it's more like yeah. how I want to be in the world and how I want to be in any relationship. So, yeah. I mean, that's, I hear, I think I hear some of what you're saying. Like, I like can feel the ways in which fear does make me say no in these various ways in my life or like want to like shut myself in or like I'm afraid of being too, I don't know, like energetically available and open or something. Mm -hmm. So like that sounds really attractive to me Mm -hmm. that the idea that, it's teaching you how to like say yes, open up, mm-hmm. et cetera. And it has also on the opposite end of the um, pendulum, I've learned to say no because you mm. have to, I mean, sometimes, especially if you're going as a single person and um, switching partners and stuff, there are men there that just go for what they want and you have to learn how to, like set your boundaries. Yeah, I just learned so much about myself like thinking about thinking about like in my 20s when I was single, I would just like hook up with guys, just get super drunk and go party and like hook up with guys and maybe I didn't even want to have sex fully, but I just did cuz it was just like going in that direction and mm-hmm. there everything slows down so much, you're not under any substances, they create this container of moving slow that 
you're really aware of all of your feelings. So if someone is invading you, like if it's being pushed to that next step and you don't want to go there, you can really feel it that that's what's happening. And Mm -hmm. then I like the first time I went, I ended up in a situation where I like, you know, privately outside of all the exercises, the exercises are very PG, but like, you know, after hours, people do whatever they want. (laughs) (laughs) And I like ended up in a situation where doing things I didn't want to do with a man. And I didn't even know how I ended up there, but I was so Mm. aware of it because I wasn't like wasted. And Mm. afterwards I thought of it for a long time and I was like, oh, wow. It's like part of my conditioning or probably so many women who don't want to make waves and you're already there and you've already gone this far. So let's just do this or that. And it was um, like, it was a huge wake up call for me that then I came back to Tantra and I just really, now I'm so in touch of my like, I don't want to do this. Oh, I want to do this, you know? And Mm. yeah, so that's been interesting. And then like learning how to communicate that in like a gentle way that's not blaming or making, because they're really big on like, you're not the victim. There's no perpetrator and victim, like learning how to like communicate your needs and taking care of yourself and not blaming the Mm. other person. Mm. It's like, it's very healing to like the feminine and the masculine at the same time, I think. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Sounds Sounds really helpful. Mm -hmm. Can you just give some more examples of the different exercises? So you mentioned like, eye gazing and slow dancing. What else do they have you do? I feel like (laughs) there's this thing that I don't even know if I'm, it's not even like a secret or anything, but I feel like there's this main thing that they do that if I explain it, it just feels like it falls flat. Like you just have to be in it and experience it. But it's, I will, kind of explain it, but it's this meditative, like you, you lie down with the, a person of the opposite sex and you do this meditation where I don't even know how to explain the, the way, but you're lying down and you're kind of intertwined together, let's say. Mm, And so, mm -hmm. um, you, but you're able to be connected and like from the waist down, like your legs are kind of intertwined together, but then your head is far further away from each other. So you can look into each other's eyes. So it's Mm -hmm. like a tantric sex position, but you do it with Mm -hmm. like underwear and clothes on unless you Mm -hmm. don't want to. And you Mm -hmm. two both agree to that after hours, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, this, then it's like a 20 minute meditation where you look into each other's eyes and you breathe mm. like circle breathing, like into into mm. your mouth and out the chest, and it's like this full flow from your body. I don't. Oh, so okay, it's like I I take a breath. Okay, you exhale as like I, and yeah, as, as I'm inhaling, you're ex or you're as right. I'm exhaling, you're inhaling, and it just does this like circular breathing in the one body and out the other body, and it's kind of like your positive, wow. negative, like the sex of the mm-hmm. man and the woman are like 
touching. And so Mm -hmm. it's this like you're connecting through the eyes and then through Mm -hmm. the breathing and through your sexual parts. And it Mm -hmm. is, it sounds, it's like when I first heard of it, I was like, what is this? But things get so weird after they they introduced that (laughs) about halfway through the retreat. And it's just like fun and games. We're just like eye gazing, playing around, like no big deal. And then, that happens and the retreat totally changes. It's like everyone goes into like chaos land and I don't know what it is about this exercise. It's like taking the red pill or whatever. It's like, all right, now we're in a whole different retreat and then all your stuff starts. And the the point of it is um, just letting whatever comes up. So you might like I've had many people fall asleep on me <laughs> during this exercise mm-hmm. or I am get <laughs> tired and I fall asleep. One time the, it, it was just really funny. So like me and a guy, we just laughed the whole time. Sometimes mm-hmm. like something like they call it um, a ghost, a ghost from the past, like a trauma or something mm-hmm. might come up mm-hmm. and you might just wow. shut down and start crying. And so it's mm-hmm. this, yeah. I guess it's just learning like how to hold space for the other person. And, it, and you're being witnessed the whole time yes, by each other. Yes. Wild. And it's like, in a, I guess it's leading up to Tantra 2. You go in with a partner, everyone's partnered up, and you learn slow sex, and it's, and, mm-hmm. um, which I haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when or if I will, but um, in, it's kind of like leading up to teaching tantric mm-hmm. slow sex, which is just allowing what is. So if mm. if you don't want to do anything or if you only want to be touched in a certain way or if someone is going through a big process, that is included in the mm. sex. It's not like sex right. has mm-hmm. to be this one way with mm-hmm. an orgasm at the end. It's mm-hmm. They kind of just move away from this goal and just mm-hmm. you go into presence. And so the whole retreat, you're doing so much meditation. You like, you get up mm-hmm. at 7 a.m., you do this like crazy dynamic meditation where you're just like releasing and moving your body. Then you meditate mm-hmm. and do breath work all day. Every single mm-hmm. day at six, you do kundalini meditation. So you're doing meditations all day long to help you get out of your head, to get into presence. So when you're doing the this kind of practice, that may or may not lead to sex because at that point, if you're partnered up, then you can be in that position and have sex. Or if you just want to keep it to the meditation, you can. Um, you learn, you're kind of learning how to have sex in a tantric way. So that's what they're building mm. towards. Oh my God. But just <laughs> I need to do this. <laughs> to be clear, so then that exercise, your crotches are like, touching yeah. yeah it's like that so yeah. have you been it's like that. have you been <laughs> in the situation like where you're like having my crotch next to this man's crotch is like not something i want to do yeah so Does this is happen? what i mean by like learning yeah. your own boundaries for yourself of saying no because so they'll yeah. say they the only thing they ever say is find a partner which they say any, they could say seven times a day or they could say three times a day. They just say, find mm-hmm. a partner. They don't say, girls, find your favorite right. man. They don't say, boys, right. pick a lady. They just say, find Grab a partner. Grab your partner by <laughs> the arm. They say, find a partner. And, and 
it's it's also just I, you kind of feel like you're in middle school. Like, am I going to get chosen or or like? Oh yeah. You start asking questions. You also have like two to three hours of group therapy in the room every day, and so cool. people are like talking about everything that comes up. So yeah, like even just when they say find a partner, like you can have a meltdown over that because you're like, yeah. Am I not like cool enough? Am I not pretty enough? Why am I not getting chosen? How come I always want to go for like the guys that don't want to pick me? Should mm-hmm. I be more forward and right. just go for what I want? Or do I like hang back? It's like your brain goes yeah. into crazy land. Those three words. It's just find like, a partner. yeah, find a partner. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. And so... Um, and what was the question? Oh, so like a guy can go up to you and you can, you can say no, you know? So to, like, I don't want, I don't want you to be my partner. And that meditation, they, that's a meditation that you practice. It's like your homework. So you do it outside of the group exercises. And so mm-hmm. people will ask like, oh, do you, would you like to do the exercise? <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. And you also ask, you ask people too, if you want to do the exercise, like men and women. And yeah, like I've said no to people that I just didn't want to do it with or, and I like also try to test my edge. Like, why don't you want to do it with them? You know? Mm -hmm. And like knowing that you you can, because you can do it privately. They have private rooms. If you know, like maybe like the person. It wants you want to take it somewhere else, but wow. there's also oh. like very public halls that you can do the exercise in, and so you can and you can do it in the middle after breakfast, like the the times that you do it are like after lunch, after breakfast, or after dinner. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what's going to happen in a public room after breakfast? Nothing, and so mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I what's see. twenty minutes of your time? Yeah, so mm-hmm. then I yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's probably um, something that just seems so rich about the whole experience is that when you feel resistance to something, then you're like, okay, is it because there's something here that through these practices I can like move through and grow through? Or is it like, ooh, something in me is like really saying no and that's the thing I need to listen mm-hmm. to. So it just seems like that's so much of, of it. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it is. It is. I ha- I, I found situations, like in general, I find that, um, I think everyone's this way. Like everyone has their masks and a little bit more closed off in the beginning and people really open. But I find that I'm quite guarded when it comes to like sexuality and the opposite sex up front where I noticed like some of my like female roommates there were just like, oh, partnering there, partnering, they're just much more open than me. And Mm -hmm. I found myself like looking around the room and being like, I only want to partner with these three people and that's it Mm -hmm. with every exercise. And then as the days progressed, I just started to like trust people more and drop my shield. And I was like partnering with everyone by the end. So Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's more like an indicator of like how open or closed I am. And then there are some people 
I just didn't, yeah, I just had like a funny feeling about them or just didn't, I just did like in my body, it was just like a hard no the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I just kind Mm -hmm. of avoided them. Mm -hmm. And if they asked me, I said no. Um, Mm -hmm. And then some people, it was almost like I would do exercises with them, but it was so... There, it felt like there was no growth in it. It was like two mm. same, same, or it's so weird. Like mm-hmm. they were my friends that like we ended up friend zoning each other. It was just like, there mm. was nothing there mm. that after a while we just like moved on to like mm. other partners, but would like have lunch together all the time. <laughs> That's funny. I think I would like to explore what you were telling us when we spoke the other day, which was um, since since you got out of your marriage, uh, you said you've had some of your attachment stuff or like deep emotional stuff coming up in your friendships. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. I'm wondering if it's... I've been thinking of of it from like an attachment stuff, but also from the Enneagram 4 thing. And I'm curious about your experience with relating with people. But I almost, I think it's like a codependency thing plus being a four where I somehow did not learn like the, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I like somehow took it upon myself that like, I should be authentic and real and say, like, I'm doing this person a service by telling Mm -hmm. them the truth about them and Mm. what everybody is thinking but will not say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's literally the root cause of, like, every breakup I've had. And Mm. it's taken me this long to be like, oh, maybe you just don't say any of those things, you know? (laughs) And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's a four Mm. thing because we've talked about it in my Enneagram group. Like sometimes when a four is being unhealthy, they can be authentic to the point of being mean. And I think Mm. that's happened. I've been that for sure. And Mm -hmm. then I also... I worked, I used to live in Amsterdam and I worked for a Dutch company and the Dutch are very blunt. They, mm-hmm. They're just very direct. And so I would mm. like design something. They'd be like, ah, hate it. Start over. <laughs> they, and then I found, <laughs> I found Americans being like, oh my God, that was, that's so lovely. Love it. But could we just like tweak a little here, here and there? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I sort of, appreciated whenever I would just have someone just tell it like it is for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think I like started adopting that personality in myself yeah. and mm-hmm. thought it was like uh, like tr- the more true way to be. And mm-hmm. then I realized I was just like hurting people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And then I've had like, some, and and bringing it back to since my divorce, it's like, I think because I was single, 
I think a lot of your crazy shit comes out on your romantic partner. And it's like, the, it's the safe space where you can almost like a toddler, like testing the waters. Like, are you going to put up with this? Are you going to put up with this? You know? And mm-hmm. then when you don't have that, I saw it like leaking out in all these other places in my life. And so it would like happen with friends and just any relationship. And yeah, I think I'm a light bloomer learning how to like... The energy is still there, you know, it's like, but then when you don't have a primary partner where you're sort of like bouncing all of your energy off of and like going to with your emotional needs and like acting out behaviors, like then it can, yeah, kind of like spew. It's like the energy still there. It's just not being channeled. Mm-hmm. And this other person. it's not being channeled onto someone and I wasn't learning that it's not okay to just throw it on other people. So I Mm -hmm. was just like, well, now it's going here without really Mm -hmm. thinking about Mm -hmm. the consequences of that. Mm -hmm. But no, I actually haven't really had that so much. I think I, I feel like when I have like a negative feeling towards someone else's behavior, I'm like, "Uh Oh, this is really bad for them. You know, that like, I think this, you know, it's like so powerful that like, I think this is bad or not like attractive or whatever, when that actually can keep me from saying it. Cause I feel like it's going to hurt them so much or something. Mm. I think that's like I, maybe a healthier way to go about it, to think like that, than what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so Dan, you're saying that like, if you have a negative view of yeah. someone or what they're doing you're like oh man that like really sucks for them like even though they don't know that you're feeling it's this more way. that like if they if they knew that this is how i felt about it like their life would like totally disintegrate <laughs> which is a sort of like <laughs> overblowing your importance a little bit right yes <laughs> <laughs> like this would ruin them <laughs> if they knew i felt this way yeah <laughs> That's funny. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think about so many times where I've like wanted to say something to someone and I'm like so indirect and I'm like, maybe, you know, I'm like tiptoeing and like that feels so like, like I don't like that. I hate that. I fucking hate that. Yeah. I don't want to live like that. That could be more hurtful to the person too. Right. Right. I think think it's a delicate balance. It's like... Because I think a lot of times whenever I would say something, it came from this place of like, I know they want to grow. So maybe they want me to Mm -hmm. like let them know what's going on for me, you know? But, and I do think that some, I do think that that is valid in like having honest conversations with people can be really important. I've had a lot of friendships that were, Like, you know, at some point in a friendship, if you're going to go deeper, you kind of, it's like you have your like friends and then you have your inner circle of friends where you're like, all right, but like, do you really want to be with that guy? You know, like where you just like give it to them straight and you want to have that like inner circle of friends who no matter what they're going to tell you, like, I almost feel like they're being a real friend when they say like, you don't Mm -hmm. really like, this isn't cool or like you don't really want this or like whatever. Um, so it's like, I think I'm just learning uh, how to 
dance with it though. Like finding the right yeah. time and place. And I haven't been always right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like good work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, in like in fam- familiar relationships, it's really hard to know when to work for something to be deeper and when to just like try to focus on the interactions that you can have that are not triggering for either party. You know, like that's a huge one. Did you say in familiar or familial? Familial. It could be in just close, close or someone you've known a long time that's in your life or whatever. Well, I think, I mean, I feel like we have a lot here, but Sarah, do you, do you, how do you feel about talking about your friend breakup? Like even more specifically, I think like I had like two friend riffs. One was like a full breakup and one was like a riff and it was both in situations where I sort of like called them out on some action where like I deemed it like wrong or annoying or like whatever. And, and then it really hurt their feelings. Cause I also Mm -hmm. wasn't like tender about it. I was just, Mm -hmm. but I also felt like they were doing something to me. And so I like shot back, you know? Mm. And so it wasn't like, I'm observing from afar that you're like this. It's like an interaction between us that felt. Mm -hmm. And, but what I'm, I guess I've just been thinking a lot about, I guess because I also went through a divorce and then had these two friend breakups at the same time. Meanwhile, I was like also getting a lot of friends and becoming close to many people. So it's not like, oh, I have this pattern. I'm losing everyone in my life. But it just had Mm. me thinking like, hey, this is something to look at. And like, I don't want to make myself feel or be like, oh, you're such a bad person. You have friend breakups. Like probably just like we have boyfriend relationship breakups it's probably normal to have friend breakups too from time to time but there's something that feels almost more painful about it like it's expected that some romantic relationships aren't going to work and you're practicing with each new person and growing but like a friendship feels like it should just always be there I don't know. It's like the, there's yeah. no definition around it. So when it has a closure, it feels more painful. Right. Mm. Well, yeah. There, I mean, there is something so pure about friendship where it's like no one has to be involved in the friendship. It's mm-hmm. like you're choosing, you're choosing to remain. And it's not like there's a there. I mean, there's not like an actual limit on like how many friendships you can have mm-hmm. or a defined one. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty indefined. Like mm-hmm. how many you want to have. Mm-hmm. Um, Hashtag ENFP. We have to have a hundred and fifty best friends. <laughs> I always want more. Yeah, more. The more it's like I have three hundred, but this one <laughs> didn't work out, so I'm going to fixate on this forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was searching on Reddit about friend breakups, and there was a lot of stuff of like friend breakups are actually more painful than romantic breakups. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, Why none of, is none that? Of, I don't know. Because we just, yeah, we're like not prepared for it. We're just not prepared for Well, I think it's expected. Happen. It's assumed that everybody who has romantic relationships in their life will go through breakups and it's like a thing. 
but a friend breakup is like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a different type of like consenting or non-consenting. I feel like than it is in romantic relationships or it feels that way. Maybe. I, I also feel like I don't un- quite understand the definition of a friendship, which is maybe mm-hmm. goes back to like, since my divorce, my like my stuff bleeding onto like friendships Mm -hmm. because yeah I kind of wonder if like friends are just supposed to be like shelter from the storm where you're just Mm. like hyping each other up and like loving and sometimes like with romantic relationships it goes to movie two where it's not the honeymoon phase anymore and the work happens Mm -hmm. and I find that with my like besties where we've been friends over 10 years, it kind of goes to movie two, too, but it's like a movie too light, you know, it's like a light mm-hmm. version of it's like, yeah, we're being very supportive and loving each other, but like sometimes like shit comes up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know if I'm like quicker to like go there because, yeah. And that's that's what like damaged these two friendships. It like it could have been a combination right. of things. It's like the pandemic and everything was stressful. Also, I was going through a divorce, so I was like maybe not so emotionally healthy and balanced. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I like Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it yeah. could be a lot of things, but what I'm thinking about is like movie 2 is hard, right? Movie 2 <laughs> is like that's you're in the muck with that stuff. And someone could even, you know, say, think and say that they do want to be in movie two, but actually when movie two starts to happen, they're like, no, I don't like movie two. But like, so, you know, everyone's dealing with their own sense making too. I feel like, but I do feel like in my friendships, I'm like, I know the people in my life that I'm like, they want to have healthy conflict and they see the value in us, like having it, having it. And it, being important for closeness, but I definitely have had the experience of people who I feel close to being like, I don't want you to, I don't want you to say what you really think about this. I just want you to tell me I'm great. And the guy who broke up with me sucks. Right. And like, I did everything right. You know, mm-hmm. right. that's definitely, that happens. <laughs> I think yeah. this is where like, I don't even have it like, Oh, in hindsight, I could see this is why like I'm still like kind of wrapped up in it because I'm mm-hmm. like yeah is is a good friendship someone who's just like you're awesome and they suck you know all the time yeah. or is it something deeper you know and I, I it, and I think it's a little bit of both or there's not one right answer and I'm just like figuring that out and these two yeah. relationships um falling apart was just like eye opening for me to look at. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. You can't just say whatever's on your mind. One mm-hmm. and two, like what kind of friendships are you trying to cultivate? And three, like what's a more like refined way of being so that you can still mm. stay friends with people. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for joining us. Our music is by Nightlight. 
We self-produce this podcast, so please subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps.